0: Real Golf Radio It's a reround Now on the tee Brian Taylor and Bob Casper Brought to you by Siegfried and Jensen Protecting the rights of you and your loved ones It's a reround On Real Golf Radio
1: Hey, welcome in. It's hour number three of Real Golf Radio, the Mountain Land Supply hour of the show, presented by Mountain Land Supply, who reminds you that before doing yard or sprinkler package or work, consider these things first. Outdoor lighting, party lighting, outdoor audio and trampolines. You may want to design around these accents and features, so you really want to think about where you want that underground trampoline or where do I want my audio speakers for maximum listening pleasure? How do I want the area lit at night for my backyard barbecue brisket overnight? I mean, all of those things you can get expert opinion and analysis and help and insight from the pros at Mountainland Supply. Go to mountainlandsupply.com for a location nearest you. And I think it's something that it's, you know, it's maybe you don't think necessarily about those types of things when you think Mountainland, because of course they got your sprinklers and all that, but there's so much more and uh, they're great supporters of the game of golf. Bob, we have been in for a real treat for Utah golf and Tony Finau representing out there on the PGA tour. Now you got Mike Weir on the champions, PGA tour champions. Who's got the lead after one round going into the weekend at, uh, in Tucson.
2: Yep. It's, uh, it's amazing to see what, uh, what these guys in Utah are doing. Uh, Mike has been playing extremely well on the champions tour and getting himself into, into position and contention. It'll be fun to watch him win another golf tournament coming up. And Tony Finau has played some phenomenal golf over the last month, five weeks, um, with a fourth and three seconds. Unfortunately, you know, came up just a smidge short, Uh, last week at the Genesis Invitational.
1: Ah, you and I were talking to each other while that was playing out, Bob. It's just heartbreaking, I can tell you. It is a whole lot more enjoyable to watch PGA Tour golf when you're not rooting for somebody, right? I mean, I think, you know, and on Twitter, collectively, the golf fans in Utah, and then beyond Utah, look, Tony Finau is a fan favorite worldwide, because, you know, he is so genuine, and he's such a good dude, and I think there's so many fans that are rooting for him to break through and get that second win, and I, I think the feeling is, is once he gets that, it's just going to open up a floodgate of wins. He's got so much talent. He's playing such good golf, and you know, you just think, okay, keep putting yourself in position, and you're going to get one, right?
2: Yeah. I mean, come on, reassure me here, Bob. Right? I no, mean, no, he, I, 100%, no, hundred percent, no doubt, no doubt. You know, um, you know the last uh, the last few weeks um, as he would play and finish second or or have an opportunity to win, but not, not getting it done. You know, he, he'd shoot maybe a few under par or whatever, but you know, last week he shot 64 in the final round, seven under par, put him right, right there. And then, uh, you know, uh, Max Homa, he, he was able to in the, in that playoff, um, eradicate himself from that, that tree and make a par and take it to the next extra hole. And unfortunately, Tony missed that little putt at 10 and, and, uh and then Homa won on the second extra hole.
1: Yeah, you know, you thought maybe Max was going to help him out a little bit, darn it, but uh, it just it just didn't happen. By the way, Bob, it's five years ago. Puerto Rico's being played this week on the PGA Tour. In 2016, Puerto Rico, that's Tony's only win on the PGA Tour. It's been five years. And yep. consider this, that he has 21 top five finishes since that win. 21 top mm-hmm. fives. That's sixth most among all players and the most without a W for context, with all those players that haven't won, the the most top five finishes is Tommy Fleetwood with eleven, behind Tony wow. feet ten behind Tony Finau who has twenty one. So obviously it's one of those things that stands out, and you go, "Cow, you know he's 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 bound to win one, isn't he?" But um, it it does start to to make you wonder if he's able to to get it done. I I don't question it. I mean, a final round 64, he's doing things. And I think you pointed this out, Bob, on the, on the first couple of hours, he went, even though he made bogey on 15, he came back with birdies at 16 and 17 to make sure he was in the playoff. That's big because we've seen him in, in the past where he might start going the wrong way. And all of a sudden, when he was right there with a couple holes to play, he's completely out of it. Not that, not last week.
2: And, and this is the third um, opportunity that he's had to win a a tournament in a playoff. He lost to Xander Shoffley, he lost to Webb Simpson, and and now he lost to Max Homa. So he's putting himself there with an opportunity to win a golf tournament. And uh, it's going to happen. It's, he's going to break through and it's going to get done. What do you think about this week? He's just a couple back. Um, this I think this is a good golf course for him. He doesn't have to kill it. He doesn't have to hit it a long ways. Um, he can pick and choose and make his decisions off the tees. And, and he's only a couple shots back with uh, two rounds to play. Last week he was tied for eighth, I think, going in the in the final thirty six holes. This week, he's tied for fifth. So I think this will be a good week for him again.
1: Let's get some more insight on this. So we had a chance to catch up with Jaime Diaz from Golf Channel, good friend of the show and great analyst on Golf Channel, veteran golf journalist. Uh, We'll uh, hear for what he has to say, not only about Tony, but his experience covering the accident that we, of course, witnessed with Tiger Woods this week. And it's brought to you in part by Black Desert Resort. Y'all love heading to St. George. You're probably down there now or you've been down there in the last couple of weeks, especially trying to play some golf and. You're struggling to find a place to stay and a place you can get on and play some golf. And that's what the folks at Black Desert are trying to solve for you. They've got a new championship golf course going in. They've got great uh, real estate opportunities. It's going to be a hotel there. There's going to be villages, all kinds of shopping and dining. It's the full package, full resort, unlike anything we've seen in Utah and southern Utah for sure. Check it out at blackdesertresort.com and uh, ask about the exclusive real estate opportunities available at blackdesertresort.com. Here's Jaime Diaz. I'm
3: good, Brian. Nice to be with you guys.
1: Great to be with you as always. We sure enjoy your analysis on Golf Channel. Uh, You do such a great job. Talk about how difficult that was to be on live television with this accident um, report coming and unfolding and everything around Tiger this week. I mean, it was, I, I was exhausted for you. I thought you guys did a fantastic <laughs> job, but, but man, that, that's a, that's the tough part. It's, it's somewhat, I don't want to say it's easy, but comparatively speaking, it's easy to sit and analyze a golf tournament. But when something like this real life is at stake, that's, its a, it's draining. It's a difficult situation, huh?
3: Well, you guys are veteran broadcasters. You know, I'm really not. I mean, I've only been doing this three years and, you know, I feel very fortunate to to do it, uh, didn't envision me personally being the guy who would be on a lot when when something like that went down, but it was just because it happened in the afternoon, and there weren't a lot of other people in the studio, and, and they put Anna, Whiteley, and myself on. Anna's really poised and really controlled, and, you know, I felt very, um, very safe in her hands, so to speak, as far as knowing she could, you know, keep the pace going, and and ask the questions and bring me in when she thought it was suitable. So, but I was nervous about, gee, am I going to, you know, say the wrong thing or am i going to say the same thing over and over. Uh, but again, you know, we all go back so much with tiger, things do occur to you as you, as you're talking. And Mm -hmm. I just want to be careful uh, more than anything about, you know, speculating at that moment because the biggest problem was we didn't know very much for Mm -hmm. at least a couple of hours. And so, you know, it's tempting to kind of say, geez, um, There's this, there's that, that, you know, might relate to this and might not relate to this. And that, I think, is annoying to a lot of viewers and and also the wrong thing to do. So I had to, use you know, remind myself to be restrained there. But honestly, I felt it, it was nerve wracking a little bit in the sense that I was looking at myself from outside myself and going, geez, you're on TV talking like, you know, they do an election night where they're talking like for five hours straight, you know, and I watch those shows a lot. But on the other hand, it was sort of a thrill to actually say I I had that experience.
2: Yeah, it's pretty uh, pretty shocking uh, for this to all happen and how it unfolded, you know, Tuesday morning. Um, you know, th- with with everything that we know now, it's it's going to be a little while before we see Tiger back again, and it's probably going to be a year, I would think, at at the at a minimum.
3: Yeah, Bob. You know, I think it's going to be hard to do for the golf world because we're also. I say we all, but I mean, you know, collectively, the golf world just can't ever learn enough about Tiger. And part of that is because, you know, Tiger is not that forthcoming. And it's always, you know, the combination of him being so great and wanting to know more about him and him being so private and not wanting to let anything out, that creates this tension. But now this thing is obviously something where he needs, you know, probably to just go off by himself and heal. And and there's really nothing, honestly, to, to say about it until – you know, he's ready to kind of come back. If he does come back, he may not come back. And, you know, there's danger right now in the hospital. There's, you know, we saw with Alex Smith, all those infections. And, you know, again, would never wish that on anyone, of course, but he's not out of the woods. But it does seem as if what the initial, you know, uh, kind of, uh, I won't say prognostication, but, you know, just the initial trauma of, of what we all saw made our minds go to something really, really serious. This is terrible and golf sense, but in a life sense, he's, he's going to recover from this and, and have a, you know, a good quality of life. My, my guess is. And so again, here I'm guessing, but the point being, um, there's two different things going on here. I think he's very fortunate in terms of his life and unfortunate in terms of his golf, but who knows, maybe that can be rectified in a year or so.
1: Yeah, I mean, we all wish him the best for sure. It's interesting, Jaime, uh, Bob and I got phone calls to do, you know, um, real quick hits on the radio, and we took the same approach. It's like, look, you know, I don't really know any more than you do, but I'll be happy to come on and visit. And it was interesting because I got the question that I hadn't heard for several years, and it was, can the PGA Tour and golf survive without Tiger? And I, this was a non-golf guy per se, uh, you know, but, but a guy that understands sports and he wasn't trying to be disingenuous, no, but, no. It, but it was yeah. interesting that he, you know, posed that question. I haven't even thought about that lately. To me, it feels like, You'll never replace a guy like Tiger Woods, and everybody appreciates and understands Tiger's place and what we're able to witness. But the golf is so good, in my opinion, right now. And by committee, it feels like there's plenty to hold up the PGA Tour with the stars and the quality of golf that we're seeing week in, week in, week out. I'm just curious, you know, with how would you respond to that that question?
3: Well, I, I think I think golf has to wean, wean itself off of Tiger, uh, you know, and it, I understand why. I think the casual fan is more susceptible to going, geez, what's Tiger doing? And I'm not interested in anybody else, but I think those of us who watch golf a lot do appreciate the level of play and the quality of the best stars. And, you know, Tiger influenced all those guys and you can see the remnants of Tiger's game in in their games. So it's not like Tiger's gone away because he he shaped the way people play and he set a standard that these guys have all tried to reach. Now they're not Tiger and Tiger's are once in a once-in-a-generation, more than a generation, he's probably once-in-a-century type player. Um, but, the, but the game always goes on. I mean, we you know, Hogan left a huge shadow, and, and Arnold Palmer came in and filled, you know, the the void, if there was one, and and then Jack followed Arnold, and then, gosh, you know, it's just on and on. Um, of course, Jack was there forever, but, you know, even even the years when it was Faldo and Norman and, and Curtis Strange, and people thought that was kind of a... Uh, lack of a of a singular figure, but I don't know. I, I always feel like as we look back, that was a very rich era as well. You and bet. so you know, it's one. It's wonderful when you have a a transcendent superstar like Tiger, but it's not the it's not the end of golf when he no longer is is going to be a, a prime um, you know sort of winner. So I, the way I look at it, I think golf's very healthy, and golf to me has always been and. It'll never be one of the top three sports, and, and that's not a knock on golf. It's just it, it, it's just too much of a specialized game, and I think the fans that really appreciate it are the, are the ones that can play um, or have an opportunity to kind of learn about it on the golf course. And then the casual fan, the crossover fan that golf is trying to get, you're going to get some of those, and you're going to appeal to them with the superstars, and I guess there's not quite as much interest because Tiger is such a transcendent figure among those people. But they're still not the people that carry the game. The people in terms of the fans, the core audience that carries the game is going to be interested in whoever is at the top and, and further down from that. And I think actually there's probably more really good players to watch now than ever. And in a way, it's a richer environment if you're interested in a lot of players.
2: You know, you, you mentioned about how how you can see a lot of, of the remnants of Tiger's game in the game of the youth on the PGA tour right now. And one of those guys is Tony Finau. Tony Finau has always said that Tiger was his role model, the guy that he looked up to, the guy um, like my dad. My dad loved Ben Hogan um, and yeah. uh, and was kind of the guy that he patterned his game after. Well, Tony's, uh, Tony's on a clip right now. He's played some great golf. Unfortunately, he missed out in the playoff last week at the LA Open, but in his last three starts, as Brian said, three seconds and a fourth. And and that's traveling not only on the West Coast, but all over the world. He went to Saudi Arabia and finished second. Um, your thoughts about Tony Finau and his game and where he's at right now uh, on the PGA Tour?
3: Well, Tony is just so good and so gifted and so athletic. And the game physically for him is almost effortless, I, I feel sometimes. I mean, he just has fluidity and rhythm and strength and speed and athleticism. And, you know, all he lacks... Uh, in terms of being what he will eventually be in my, my mind is is the experience and the self-knowledge of how to handle the competitive, you know, uh, down the stretch kind of play. And that doesn't mean that he's mentally weak or that he's lacking anything. He just hasn't done it enough and didn't grow up doing it enough to feel completely comfortable yet. And that doesn't mean again, either that he's doing anything wrong. I mean, he shot 64 at Riviera. How, how can you, how can you say the guy didn't compete right. well? And, with that score, uh, and yet in the playoffs did not win. Now, whatever that intangible that Tiger had, that I'm sure, you know, the first time I met Tony was at a corn ferry event. Of course, it was probably the nationwide bin, and at that time it was probably 2016, might have been 2015. But Jordan Speed was doing all this miracle stuff, and I remember Tony going, you know, hey, I'm loving this game, but I'm just trying to figure out what a guy like Jordan has going on in his head that allows him to do that, and you know. Tony's actually surpassed Jordan probably in terms of a week to week good player but I think Tony was never really exposed to that early winning and understanding you know that intangible feeling that you're that you're you're going to get it done somehow and uh, you know he's still searching to, to have that that I don't know if it's a confidence or just a certainty that you know it's not it's not it's not a mystery I think it's a, still a little bit of a mystery and he's solving it very I think gradually and patiently and admirably and I, I love that when you know he does suffer these tough losses like at phoenix a couple of, you know a year ago and and now at, at riviera and in between you know several you know runner-up finishes where he's been criticized for not making the big putt or anything he's working on the right things he's working on his putting he's working on his short game he's keeping his ball striking is excellent and uh he didn't go down the path of trying to hit the ball farther like bryson and he may who knows uh, that that, that style of play is it's still the jury's out on whether that's a, a good way to go or not. Um, but all I'm saying is there's just very little lacking. Uh, he's improving his putting. You can see it. And, you know, I I've talked to Boyd Summerhays and, and Tony is all in on knowing the scoring shots of those little things that save a shot, you know, on Thursday and Friday, and maybe you end up winning by three instead of being in a playoff. Uh, those are the things that are going to separate him. And I, I just feel like he's a young 31 and he's, you know, a guy with, a great attitude, love of the game. And he's got some, you know, real prime years coming up here and sure. He didn't get the early start and start winning when he was 21 and and like tiger or Phil, and he's not going to get the 30 victories, but he could have still a great career of, you know, double digit wins and, and, you know, multiple majors. I I really believe he's that big time of a player. It just hasn't broken quite right for him yet. But as you guys know, the most important thing probably in, in golf for, for a great player is, Patience and resiliency, because no matter how good you are, you're not going to win more than a third of the time, even if you're the greatest superstar out there. Uh, So you have to learn to bounce back and you have to learn to, you know, let the game come to you and not force it and, and not get discouraged. And I think Tony's doing all those things really well.
1: No doubt about it. Jaime Diaz, Golf Channel, joining us here on Real Golf Radio. It's interesting. You would say, if if you asked 100 golfers, you know, at the 19th hole or whatever, is Tony Finau better off the tee or approach the green? I think 100% of them would say off the tee. He's actually 23rd in strokes gained off the tee. He's 10th in strokes gained approach the green. So that is something he's worked really hard on. And an interesting study where Bryson and a lot of players are saying, how can I lengthen and and increase my distance? Tony's saying, I got distance for days. How do I rein that in and gain control? statistics show that he's he's that is working for him still hits it plenty long and he's scoring average is 69.5 uh, 85 uh, he's sixth in 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 fifth in, in scoring total and uh six in strokes gain total so i mean uh, he's he's doing the right things and it's hard to be critical of a guy that keeps putting himself there time and time again and yet that opens yourself up for criticism amongst the sports world and to me that's okay i don't think that's a negative
3: well, you know, in golf, it, it, with, I think the sports world in general, they're, they're used to the win and the loss, you know, the zero sum. And golf's not like that. I mean, you know, uh, you lose more than you win even when you play well. And mm-hmm. and so, you know, finishing second, you beat everybody except one guy. Um, you know, obviously, in the end, you must have wins to be considered a great player. I get that. Uh, uh, but I just think Tony is, is going about it. He's, he's You know, he's running his own race. And uh, I think his race is going to be a victorious one in the end. Um, But it's been a a longer sort of uh, journey for him than it would have been for someone who grew up in the game with all kinds of uh, opportunities to compete at a young age, whether it was H A G A or junior golf or college golf. Tony bypassed all that. And because of his economic situation and and just the way uh, his life unfolded. And, you know, he has made up for it because he has the ultimate, uh, to me, the ultimate weapon, which is talent. He's got incredible talent. And you know, all you got to do is talk to the players out there and they go, Oh man, if everybody was just hitting it as hard as they could, Tony be the longest. You know, he's got all this reserve that, you know, they all, they all envy the athleticism and, you know, he's just a work in progress in terms of, in terms of the nuances. So it's coming. And I think, I think, uh, Boyd Summerhays is a great guide for that. And, I don't know. I, 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 I watched Tony. I root for him. I, would, I felt bad for him. I mean, everybody was happy for Max Homa, but I was I felt bad for Tony. And when I hear him talk, I don't feel bad for him anymore.
4: <laughs> I just feel
3: like <laughs> he's, you know, he, he's got a handle on it, and he's just got a great attitude, a great philosophy about life.
1: Well, J- Jaime, thanks so much for taking some time to be with us. It's always great to hear your analysis and insight. And, again, well done this week during tough conditions, and uh, always a pleasure to have you on the show.
3: Thanks, Brian. Thank you, Bob. Enjoy it.
1: All right, that was Jaime Diaz joining us here on Real Golf Radio, brought to you in part by Zions Bank. We haven't forgotten who keeps us in business. More of the show continues next with the caddy right here on Real Golf Radio. Before you buy it, beginners are welcome. Come and learn from the experts at Get Some Guns and Ammo, open seven days a week. This is Brian Taylor. In 22 years of hosting this show, the most life-changing experience I've had was getting LASIK surgery from Hoops Vision. I met Dr. Philip Hoops and Dr. Phil Hoops Jr. over a decade ago. They helped me through the decision process of understanding what benefits I would experience and the various options I had to choose from. One thing was for sure, I was done with contacts and glasses. What a hassle. Not ideal for my lifestyle. Of course, I was nervous. It's your eyes after all. But the Hoops Vision free consultation was absolutely key. They were thorough and walked me through everything to put my concerns to rest. And the day of the surgery was so easy. Really, one of the simplest things I've gone through, and it worked. I could see instantly. And 12 years later, I haven't had any issues at all. I can still see that tee shot land 300 yards down the fairway. Well, you know, close to 300 yards. Anyway, schedule your free consultation today at HoopsVision.com. Join the list of happy patients like Mike Weir, Bruce and Boyd Summerhays, Bob Casper and me. Oh, and mention Real Golf Radio and you'll save $1,000 off your LASIK procedure. Do it now at HoopsVision.com. Vision.com. Never wonder how the Salt Lake Bees baseball field looks so good? The award-winning Bees Grounds crew turned to Mountainland Supply for their turf irrigation needs. Mountainland Supply is the exclusive Rainbird golf distributor in Utah. What does that mean for you? Well, when you need irrigation products for your lawn that you can trust, Mountainland Supply will not only have what you need, but can assist you in designing your sprinkler system with smartphone technology controllers, drip irrigation, pipe, parts, and tools. Go to mountainlandsupply.com to find the location nearest you.
4: Golfers, tee it up this year at to Golf with the hottest new arrivals from TaylorMade. Introducing the new Sim 2 drivers, featuring a forged ring construction, unlocking a new dimension of distance and optimal forgiveness. Now with three drivers to fit any golfer's needs. Swing by to Golf and get custom fit today. to Golf, home of the 90-day satisfaction guarantee, and shop us online at WorldwideGolfShops.com.
1: Trotta, unlike anything you've experienced before.
0: It's All Reround on Real Golf Radio with Brian Taylor and Bob Casper.
1: Alright, welcome back. Real Golf Radio, Brian and Bob here on the Mountain Land Supply hour number three of Real Golf Radio right here on 1280 The Zone, brought to you by Siegfried and Jensen, 801-222-2222. Siegfried and Jensen. Hey, we mentioned opportunity to catch up with America's
0: favorite caddy. Here he is. There are bag rats. (laughs) And then there are caddies. Pro jocks who are legends in caddy shacks across the PGA Tour. While we can neither confirm nor deny the existence of this legendary looper, here he is, the caddy on Real Golf
1: Radio. Yeah, that man joins us weekly right here on Real Golf Radio. We simply call him the caddy. He's everyone's favorite. Caddy, what's up, man?
4: Well, I'm watching the... uh been watching the show at, 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 con- at the concession club. I've been checking out a little champions tour footage, looking at Puerto Rico where it just is a little warmer than here in Denver.
2: Um, yeah. That's well, what's going on. All
1: right. Watching golf. That's always a good thing. We just had Jaime Diaz on. And how about An- Anika
2: making the cut?
4: Anika's just, the, the, I mean, she's beyond legend, you know? Beyond legend. The legend. Yeah. It's like Bob Seger said in that song, it's still the same.
1: <laughs> I loved Some watching on Never actually. change. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Pretty no, was cool. Fun. Yeah, I like
1: fun. the I like the fact
4: that he was talking about how nervous she was and all this and that. You know, you're like, you've won seventy eight times or whatever it is. How can you be nervous? Come on. But that's what golf does <laughs> to you.
1: So do you know that ruling? Uh she got hit with a ruling that was incorrect. But she Ooh. and it put her on the cut line. But she was able to make the cut anyway, which is great. That rules official felt Ooh. awful, just sick to his stomach. Ooh. But, but um, let me ask you. So here's the here's the setup with Annika. She hit it up against a fence, but it was in bounds. It was in. It was not out of bounds, and it was underneath a gate. What what are her options? Can she can she open the gate to allow room for her to hit that shot?
4: Oh. That is a wonderful decision. So I'm going to assume that the fence itself was out of bounds. All of the fence was out of bounds. Can she open the fence? Uh, is it considered an obstruction? Yeah. Uh, a is, movable is it a, obstruction? A movable obstruction,
1: yeah. Yeah, I'm going to say yes, she can open the fence So that, a yes, That rule was changed in 2019. The rules official missed it and said you cannot open the, the gate. And so she took an unplayable lie and then proceeded to make triple bogey. Uh, however, in 2019, they changed that. If the gate is unlocked, mind you, you uh, may you may open the gate to give yourself room to gate. hit the shot. <laughs> what if
4: my caddy did a little hard time for burglary and he could pick the lock? Is what? that okay? <laughs>
1: that, that is something you'd have to take up with the committee.
4: Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, it's, I don't mm-hmm. know. Is that breaking and entering? It's, I don't know.
1: What if the boulder weighs so much that you need 20 uh, people to move it? Yeah. 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 Can I now just, can I employ
4: 20,000 people and try to move the earth? Yeah. Um,
2: so <laughs> the that's
4: structure. probably not yeah. enough. Yeah. Do you, do you know right now that you're you you have enough gravitational force to actually affect the, uh, the earth itself right okay. now, believe it or Let's not. Go down but good down luck down. measuring that one. Mm. Okay. So, Sorry.
1: Yeah. So. Anyway, go. There you go. You can open the gate. That's what we've learned. Open the gate. Uh, anyway, I was just about to say that Jaime Diaz was on talking about Tony Finau. What was your take about that playoff? And do you criticize? I mean, are you being? Would you be critical of Tony and not winning it in the playoff after shooting sixty four to come back and get into the playoff with Max Homa? Uh,
4: you know, not really. Um, he had a nice opportunity on ten. Uh, pretty much, it's it's. One thing you do in sports and in golf is, even though you see someone who looks like it's all over, you you, you always assume that they're going to do something crazy. And Max right. did a great shot, but that that wasn't really. I mean, look, you got to, you could look at that shot up against the tree and say, okay, he could take it unplayable and chip it three feet from the hole and make a par. It's hardly over yet, right? I mean, that's it's not like it was a double bogey lie. So Tony did have a nice little chance there with a the short little pitch from a good spot and he you know, hit it, hit it past the hole, which is a tough place to miss it. If you're missing it long or short, it's a tougher putt. So yeah, you could argue, Oh, he maybe could have given himself a little better chance there. The part three, yeah, if you, you watch that hole on TV all day, it was, a, it, it was a playing extremely difficult. It was hard to just hit that green max hit probably one of the closest shots of the day there.
1: Yeah.
4: Um, yeah. And so, you know, Tony didn't hit. Obviously, he wasn't happy with that iron shot missing left. But, eh, you know, he kind of lost the playoff. Um, it's hard to say he didn't lose the playoff. But I don't know that you could really criticize too much. He just, you know, he pulled that iron shot a little bit. it happened. Um,
2: so, Caddy, yeah, so. So, I was going to say, if your guys in contention week after week after week fourth place, second place, second place, second place, and then this week he's tied for fifth after 36 holes. You're just loving life, aren't you, as a caddy?
4: No, if I'm working for Tiger Woods in 2000, it's the worst stretch of our career. Yeah. Of course he but went I'm there. But I'm talking no, about – joking. Joking, of course. No, yeah, that's yeah, – that's. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's a spectacular run, and all you're thinking is, oh, this guy's playing so good, I know we're going to win the Masters. That's what I'd be thinking. Yeah. It, we're gonna win. We're gonna win something, and it might as well be the Masters or the Players, right? Why not? Yep. I mean, you you yep. expect something. You expect to win at that point in time, really? I mean, it, why wouldn't you? You're right there. You knock on the door. You're gonna get in. You see right? it. You can open the you gate. See it, you can open, open it. Every open, every the, week. <laughs> open, the, open the open the gate. Just open the, open gate. the
1: gate. Way to bring a full circle. Be the, be the ball. Yeah,
4: and open the gate.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, One thing I've noticed, Caddy, is going back to his Phoenix loss to Webb Simpson a year ago, he had a downhill left to rider, and he missed it. Webb had an uphill right to lefter, and he made it. Uh, When you look at the putt that he had to win on the 10th hole, it was a downhill left to rider. And uh, the putt that he made that he had to make uh, on a, several occasions were uphill right-to-lefters. I saw it as I watched the coverage in the first two rounds uh, of the of the WGC. Man, when it's right-to-left, Tony's is pouring it in the heart. When it's left-to-right, that's the one where he gets a little bit tentative. But isn't that the tougher of the two putts for a right-handed putter typically is that little left-to-right slider?
4: I'd say that the downhill putt that goes away from you is the hardest putt to make of all of them. Yeah. Got to be. I mean, maybe the the five-footer for a four-putt, that's the tough one. But (laughs) barring that, I'd say, yeah, that that downhill slider that goes away from you is always the toughest putt to make.
1: How about the eight-footer for an eight? Yeah. Like Victor Hovland had on Friday. I think that's just,
4: uh, you know, if you're going to have an eight-footer for an eight, you know you're going to make it. Eight for eight, right? Nine would ruin it, so that's virtually a gimme. (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh, uh, that golf course hey, is getting at, the best of a few of them
4: what well the members call it concussion right so yep. when when i was watching victor hovland on the ninth hole i don't have many nightmares i don't remember dreams but i thought you know what this would be my golf nightmare right here i'm finishing my round i'm going back and forth across the green i'm getting unplayables i'm back in a place about three feet away from where I started from and now it's unplayable. I mean, that was a nightmare. That one, wow. (laughs) But, but here's what's nuts. here's how good the PGA tour players are. I'm watching guys on TV today. This guy's got a triple, this guy's got a quad, this guy, and he shot 69 with a quad. I had five straight birdies. Anybody out there ever shot 69 with a quad ever? Help me out. Call in if you so. call in if you call in for your door prize if you've shot sixty nine or better with a quad on your card. I mean, I've that's shot, like
2: filling Silverado. I've shot even yep. par seventy two with a ten.
4: Whoa! Oh no, that's that's impressive. Wow! I was at the Masters one year, and my player had seventeen pars and shot seventy seven.
2: Ooh. <laughs> yeah. So try How about this Bryson? at home. How uh, about Bryson though? To, Oh, it comes it back with the sixty four. Yeah. How about that? These guys are good. Shots so better. Here try this at home.
4: This is really good. I was playing in a Canadian tour event way back when, about nineteen ninety and ninety-one, at Morningstar Golf Club by Vancouver Island. Beautiful place. I'm playing with this Canadian guy and uh, he makes a big number and I'm keeping this card. You hate to ask somebody what they made. Well, take your thumbs and, and hold them against your forehead and then open up the palm of your hand. And he looks at me like that, and he goes, ooh, that was a moose.
1: <laughs> what? Yeah.
4: that's uh, I guess that's the Canadian way of saying I made it 10. Oh, that was a moose, eh? <laughs> I'll never forget that. What do you have back there, dude? Uh, oh, that was a moose, eh? Oh, that, that was like, a moose, okay. eh? Like, okay. Like, <laughs> you've just been waiting to say that your whole life. Congratulations.
1: It was pretty funny. I'm glad I don't know what that is.
2: <laughs> it's the well, antlers. You know?
1: I, no, oh, no, 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 no. But I'm saying I'm no. I, I don't have anything to describe a ten. I'm glad I oh, don't have yeah, anything right. That's, right, right, like, right. off the well, tip of my tongue do. for a
2: ten. That was a moose. A quintuple oh,
4: <laughs> on a par five, maybe. I don't. What know. is sex sextuple on a par four? I don't know what is. What's it? What's what's it on a par three? I don't even know. Septuple.
2: Anyway. Septuple.
4: Um, hey Bob. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah. But
1: you talked about golf nightmares. I know what Bob's golf nightmare is. He shared it with me before. Oh, oh no. Oh no. Oh no. Here we go. You, you've, had it. It, you've had it, You've had it. You remember? What's your golf nightmare?
2: My he's golf nightmare. They, yeah, he's, he's
1: blocked it out already. Ended
2: up on the first tee, and I try to put the ball on the on the tee, and it won't. That's it. It, oh, it. it won't stay. it won't. Stay. It won't stay. Yep.
1: You've told. You've said that won't many
2: times. Yeah.
4: Yeah. True story. I'm watching the Zoom thing or whatever during March or April, and uh, Grant Waits on talking talking to Andrew white rice on this really cool Andrews was doing these. I think it was Andrew Rice. I don't know, but he's doing these great little sessions where he get in a, a great teacher and they talk and you can watch it. And so Grant, Grant's talking about his first tournament as a professional, uh, is I think it was the Australian opener, the Australian PGA and it's the third round and he gets paired with Jack and their second to last group. He's playing really well and he's like so <laughs> nervous. And so this is when Jack is, you know, fairly young. And and anyway, um, he's on the first tee, and, and they introduce Nicholas first. And, it, of course, Grant's a Kiwi, right? So this is in Australia. And they introduce Jack and, and, and name off, like, you know, 50 of the 75 tournaments he's won or whatever it is. And, and, and Grant's just getting more and more and more nervous. And Jack just stripes it down the middle. And so Grant's thinking at the time, He's literally thinking, Bob, you'll love this. You'll have to ask him about this personally, but he's literally thinking I might hit a three wood because I don't know if I can tee up a driver right now. Cause I'm so nervous. And he decided to just go for it and he pulled the tee out and teed it up and he was able to get the ball in the tee, So he's kind of relieved. And then he said, next thing he knew he didn't. Oh, Oh, the announcer, <laughs> the announcer announces him and hardly anybody claps. And then, I can't even say on the radio, I don't think, because if anybody's from Australia, it's probably not proper to say it. But some guy yelled something at him, which was a, you know kind of a Kiwi slur. And now it's really, it's like, oh, my gosh, here we go. So he says he doesn't really remember swinging, but he flew Jack's drive dead center. <laughs> you know, so, but anyway, there you go. There's real life, Bob. He was, he was actually yep. considering hitting a three-wood because he didn't know if his hand was shaking he could calm his hand down to put the ball on the tee. <laughs> on the yeah.
1: tee. Well, that's awesome. Well,
4: look, team. I'll tell you, uh, I told you about the Chris DeMarco, Jay Haas one at the Ryder Cup, right? When they they were yes. playing the alternate shot, and yeah. DeMarco told told Jay, you got a tee off? I yeah. can't hit it. <laughs> I mean, this is DeMarco who lives for this stuff, right? He lives for this. This yeah. is what he, this is like the, the he, he, he salivates over these opportunities of the team. And he's like, I can't hit it. you hit it. Jay's like, okay, I got it. you know Jay didn't even need they didn't even need to discuss it. Jay's like, okay,
1: no, I got it. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Caddy, great stuff as always, man. We appreciate uh, it. We're out of time, but uh enjoy the weekend. We'll see how it all shakes out. and I know you called Tony to win, so I'm gonna hold you to it, buddy. Woohoo. Thank you, gentlemen. Can't beat him. That's the caddy right here on Real Golf Radio, presented by Hoops Vision. Go to hoopsvision.com, schedule your free consultation. Mention Real Golf Radio, and you'll save $1,000 on your LASIK procedure. I'm telling you, Bob. You and I have had this done. Mike Weir, who's leading this week on the PGA Tour Champions, he had it done at Hoops. Boyd Summerhays, Bruce Summerhays, Mike Reed. These guys, look, the golf world trusts their eyes to the professionals at Hoops Vision, and you should too. Go to Hoops Vision and hoopsvision.com. All right, we'll take a short break. When we come back, we're going to hear from Dr. Kim Stimson, a little more insight on what Tiger went through and the the medical procedures and some prognostication on, well, what's going to happen next. That's coming up as we continue right here on Those who know love heading to St. George, Utah for year-round fun, especially golf. But where to stay is always a challenge, and getting a tee time can be tough what if there was a Scottsdale-style golf resort in St. George where you can stay and play? And what if you could own your own residence there? Well, now there is. Introducing Black Desert Resort at Entrada. The second and final chapter of the Entrada Vision offers a full community with exceptional amenities from residential villages, hiking trails through preserved lava flows, spa, world-class dining and shopping, and a Tom Weiskopf championship golf course. It's literally an out Door paradise that will strengthen family bonds and make lifelong memories. That's life at Black Desert. Find out how you can stake your claim at blackdesertresort.com. Blackdesertresort.com. Exclusive real estate opportunities are available now. Black Desert Resort at Entrada. Unlike anything you've experienced before. This is Brian Taylor. In 22 years of hosting this show, the most life changing experience I've had was getting LASIK surgery from Hoops Vision. I met Dr. Philip Hoops and Dr. Phil Hoops Jr. over a decade ago. They helped me through the decision process of understanding what benefits I would experience and the various options I had to choose from. One thing was for sure I was done with contacts and glasses. What a hassle. Not ideal for my lifestyle. Of course, I was nervous. It's your eyes after all. But the Hoops Vision free consultation was absolutely key. They were thorough and walked me through everything to put my concerns to rest. And the day of the surgery was so easy. Really, one of the simplest things I've gone through, and it worked. I could see instantly. And 12 years later, I haven't had any issues at all. I can still see that tee shot land 300 yards down the fairway. Well, you know, close to 300 yards. Anyway, schedule your free consultation today at HoopsVision.com. Join the list of happy patients like Mike Weir, Bruce and Boyd Summerhays, Bob Casper and me. Oh, and mention Real Golf Radio and you'll save $1,000 off your LASIK procedure. Do it now at HoopsVision.com. Vision.com. before you buy it. Beginners are welcome. Come and learn from the experts at Get Some Guns & Ammo, open seven days a week.
0: It's a Reround on Real Golf Radio with Brian Taylor and Bob Casper. Welcome back to the show. Brian and Bob with you
1: here on Real Golf Radio, brought to you in part by Uinta Golf, serving Utah golfers since 1971. Also by Get Some Guns and Ammo, four locations up and down the Wasatch Front. A great selection of range gun rentals, so you can try it before you buy it. Check it out at Get Some Guns and Ammo. Well, we had an opportunity to visit with Dr. Kim Stimson, and he gives us a little bit of insight as to what might have gone on and likely went on and still is to come for Tiger Woods following that horrific accident that we saw on Tuesday.
6: Oh, I think we all know he was involved in a single car rollover accident at, at speed. I don't know how fast, but anything like that is, is high velocity and high energy. And he was trapped in his car, had to be extricated through the windshield, I believe with, yep. with some, the tools that they use initially, they think they said jaws of life, but I think, I don't think that was necessary, but, but in anyway, uh, had to be extracted, had multiple injuries. Uh, and from what we gather, you know, had an open tibia fracture, some, uh, some fractures about his foot and ankle on the same leg, I believe. Um, and, and other injuries, I'm sure too, multiple bruises and contusions always happen when that kind of thing happens, Um, but those were the kind of the important immediate attention injuries that we understand that he had. Uh, he went to surgery shortly thereafter, after the extrication taken immediately to I think uh, UCLA Harbor Medical Center, which is a mm-hmm. trauma center there. And then uh, I'm sure a, I'm sure a, a workup was done of all of his injuries. He had studies done to evaluate him. Uh, probably x-rays and CT scans uh, prior to going into the OR and then went to the OR which is very appropriate uh, for open fractures uh, to be washed out, irrigated, debrided, and then fixed uh, in an appropriate fashion. And it sounds like he had a IM nail or an intramedullary nail put in his tibia and then various screws and pins and plates were used to fix his foot and ankle. And then he also had what we call a fasciotomy, uh, which is a release of the fascia around a muscle that can become very tense uh, after trauma like this. And it can compromise blood supply to the muscle as well as the nerves. And actually cause some very serious problems after the injury. So fasciotomies are something that are done in trauma situations where there's been significant damage to a muscle compartment. That requires the release of that fascial compartment, so that blood can actually perfuse the muscle and the nerves and preserve the leg. So, so those are significant injuries that he had that we know about. Uh,
2: so, so you you spoke about you spoke about the injuries, um, the the community, What's it called? The comminuted. Comminuted. Commut- commut- yeah, fractures, which is which is splintering, so to speak. Correct. Yes, it, it of the bone. Uh, of the bone, and that
6: involves pieces more than two pieces right. usually, and, and it can right. be five pieces or twenty pieces. I mean, it, it depends. But a comminuted fracture is not just a simple break that you put together and it stays in place. There's some there's some instability usually involved with a comminuted fracture as well. So.
2: Yeah, and and we know, and open open fractures are basically what we know as little kids, compound fractures, where the bone comes to right. the skin. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Compound is a, is a description that's been used for a long time. I think the
6: open fracture describes it a little better. It means yeah. that the bone has been exposed to the environment, basically.
2: And then you said, uh, you you basically talked about all these, these injuries and then the compartment syndrome. What type of does that throw into the mix as far as the compartment syndrome as compared to all the other injuries too? So
6: the compartment syndrome can happen in trauma to a leg or an arm um, or a foot or hand for that matter. And that's simply when the, it, it can happen with fractures. It can happen with a bad bruise, believe it or not, where the swelling is so significant uh, that it actually prevents blood from going into that muscle compartment and without blood, the muscle dies and so do the nerves. So you can be left with dead muscle, dead nerves, and basically a, a leg and a foot or anything below the injury, uh, is can be severely compromised by that type of injury. So when it's identified, uh, we, and there's various ways to do that. But when it's identified or suspected, then we release that compartment, basically open it up, make some incisions over it, and release that fascia so that the muscle and swelling can expand and that blood can perfuse that compartment. So
2: interesting.
1: That doesn't sound pleasant. Uh, Of course, none of this does. Uh, So I, I imagine this is probably several hours that it took. And it almost sounds like, you know, they had to piece him back together in those certain areas. So with that understanding and we got screws and pins in his ankle and foot from what, what has been reported um, the, the, the multiple breaks in the, the, the tibia and fibula area, and then dealing with the the fascia that you're talking about releasing that pressure when that is all said and done, as far as, as horrific as all of that is, and traumatic as all of that is, how routine, I guess, is the procedure, and how likely is the recovery from something injuries such as that?
4: So,
6: both fortunately and unfortunately, uh, these procedures are quite routine, uh, especially in a trauma center like uh, UCLA Harbor uh, Medical Center. This is this is kind of what they do. Uh, so, these these procedures are fairly routine. Um, they happen a lot and the surgeons and medical professionals that deal with this uh, are in tune to these things and have various protocols to follow. And so they're it, this kind of thing is routine in, in a very blunt sense. Now that doesn't mean that every fracture is routine and every fracture and injury has its little special things about it that, that you have to deal with, but, but having much familiarity with those things, these surgeons are very, very adept at dealing with them and I'm sure they did a great job. And, uh, and so as this goes on, what do we expect? Well, there's, there's always worries about infection with open fractures. There's always worry about, uh, infection with fasciotomies that we've talked about. That's leaving on open wound basically for several days to up to a couple of weeks sometimes, uh, waiting for that to resolve. And then you get into the covering of that. And sometimes you can close the wound that you've made when the swelling goes down enough. but sometimes, and, and this happens frequently that it has to be grafted with a skin graft. So that's another process that takes time. Um, and then you wait for the fracture to heal. Um, so you make sure everything's still alive. Uh, Sometimes, you know, not by alive, I mean muscles and nerves. Right. Um, you're, you can, it wouldn't surprise me that Tiger might go back to the OR two or three times over the next few days to, to have the irrigation and washout and debridement of uh, the wounds and any tissue that might not be, a good, viable condition. So, And then eventually, you you close the wound that you've made, uh, or you have to graft it, and that just lengthens uh, the immediate recovery. Uh, so we expect these fractures to heal. It's very likely that, that they will heal. Uh, it's likely that Tiger will need some other procedures in the near future, and maybe in the distant future as well. Uh, to deal with these and they resolve. And, and, you know, as we talk about this, I expect him to walk again. I, I expect him to play golf again. Um, and, and then, and then we see, will he be able to compete at the level he demands of himself? So.
2: So, yeah. So, so having a, an injury and, and an accident like this and the surgery and everything like that, first of all, um like you said um the the most important thing is if if he's going to walk again um and the second most important thing and what everybody wants to know is he going to play golf again and will he play it at, at the best um you know uh, and compete at at the highest level again there was one other player that recently when t- when this happened to tiger um he came out and said that he had similar type of injuries with an accident that he was in he was a tour player and he said the injuries didn't prevent him or didn't affect him much with his golf swing. Where it affected him was walking on the golf course day in and day out and competing while walking on the golf course. That That's what really caused him the most discomfort and pain and and basically took him out of being able to play professional golf again.
6: The, the, yes, and that's pretty spot on, Bobby. Um, no, we, I think we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Alex Smith had... Yeah. A similar situation. And I think it's well-documented all the things he went through and eventually, and, and returned to play professional football at the highest level. And so it certainly is possible uh, to do these things. And, and we don't have to, you know, remember Phil Mickelson broke his femur skiing, um, as an early professional, I believe, uh, yep. back in the nineties. And you know, his career has been stellar with a broken leg.
1: All right, thank you so much to Dr. Kim Stimson, good friend of the show, our official orthopedic surgeon here on Real Golf Radio, and it's brought to you in part by Mountain Land Supply. Go to Mountain Land Supply. Get all ready for the springtime. Make sure your irrigation is up to speed and you have everything you need at Mountain Land Supply, the official rainbird, sprinkler, turf irrigation, drip irrigation, controllers, everything you need to irrigate your lawn like the pros at mountainlandsupply.com. Wishing all the best this week, Bob. We're going to be rooting hard.
2: Where's he in the desert? Tony, at the WGC in Florida, should be a good weekend. Yeah, I'm excited to see how it all shakes out. Um, We may have a double whammy with the Utah boys this week.
1: If so, we got to have a parade, man. Might just be in front of your house, but we're going to do a parade uh, and and celebrate these two uh, guys, and uh, here's hoping. Of course, Phil Mickelson called his win, so Mikey's going to have to hold off um, Phil coming up coming up behind him there in tucson but uh we'll see it should be exciting and, and good fun to watch uh, for our producer dave Glauzer, he's bob casper i'm brian taylor thanks so much for joining us each and every saturday morning six to nine on real golf radio right here on 1280 the zone